Yours. Welcome Star. back, party Your. people, to the place Angels. everybody wants to be. Of course, you know it and you love it. It is Victory Welcome Lane. Welcome to the one Today, place everybody wants 60, to be. It is the Bill Victory Rexford Lane. and Travis Pastrana. Analysis, now, Bill discussion, had one win interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey drivers at Roush Fenway Racing in Xfinity when you think of the number 60. I personally go back to Travis Pastrana, Maryland's finest, by the way. Of course, X Games legend had his foray over into stock car racing with that kind of wacky looking um, tie-dye, rainbow-ish number 60 car. I think of Travis Pastrana. So shout out to Maryland's finest, Travis Pastrana, along with Timmy Hill. Um, for episode 60 and as you see from the title um, this week that's gone on the country I mean racing is secondary obviously um, and like I said in the title I mean this is bigger than racing so today on the show um, we're gonna get a little serious but also chat about the amazing race that we saw on Sunday at Bristol but even though we're gonna get a bit serious here I still want to start off with a good old-fashioned <laughs> All right, I know, I know that it's a tough topic to talk about, and maybe it's awkward for some people because they don't want to talk about it, or they have talked about it, and it's been beaten to death, but I still think it's very important to chat about, and I was hesitant with bringing this up on the podcast because I, I like what Mike Greenberg said back when he was co-hosting Mike and Mike in the Morning on ESPN Radio. Basically, like Whenever any major event happened in the country... He would always kind of start the show by saying, look, we realize what's happening. We're going to talk about it a little bit here and there, but we realize that this is a sports show. This is where you kind of come for your escape and release from everything that is going on in the quote-unquote real world or outside world. So we're going to do our jobs, which is talk about sports and hopefully keep you entertained. But at the same time, we're going to have to address the things that are going on around us because they're too hard to not talk about. And that is the case that's going on right now in this country this week specifically, but more so that's gone on visibly in the last month. And frankly, that's gone on for the past decade or so. And that is the unequivocally social injustice and racial inequality aspect of life that African-Americans have faced in the United States. Um, This is not going to be a dialogue with anybody else. I debated having some people on to talk about it, but I just figured that it would be better if I just kind of wrote a couple notes down and just went kind of straight from the heart, straight from the dome, and chatted with you guys about it. And I, of course, you guys know I'm a Wizards fan because I'm from D.C. area, and that's my basketball team. And there's been a, a plethora of professional sports organizations, whether that's NASCAR, the MLB, the NBA, teams within those, athletes. I mean, everybody by now has released a statement and condemned the actions of the police officer in Minneapolis, Derek Chavin. I think that's how you say his name, who kneeled on the neck of George Floyd and killed the man. Um, but I think the Wizards put out an interesting, I guess you can say, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They put out an interesting kind of flurry of statements that were from the players and they were extremely direct. And and one of them I wrote down as my first note is, is kind of what I want to get across here. This is the sentence. We will no longer tolerate the assassination of people of color in this country. And that's that's kind of all you need to know, right? Um, I want to make one thing clear. 
this is not a political issue. I'm not going to make this segment of the podcast political. Um, and everything that's going on in the world right now, it's not a political issue. This is an issue of humanity. Because, as cliche as it is, black, white, yellow, red, green, blue, I don't care. Everybody is human, and they should be treated with equal rights. And the fact that we're in 2020 on June 3rd, and there are still innocent, unarmed black people being killed in this country by law enforcement, it's not okay. And we have, we as in me, and I'm going to talk about recognizing my white privilege, have stayed silent in the sense of saying, you know, under your breath or to a couple people, wow, that, that's awful, that's terrible, this is so annoying, this sucks. Other than that, we haven't done anything. I personally haven't really done anything. I've, I've watched some of the stuff that's on the news in the past, whether that's Trayvon Martin all those years ago, whether that was Ahmaud Arbery a couple weeks ago now, um, and George Floyd, of course, a couple days ago. But I largely have remained silent. I've seen what was going on. I had my own thoughts and opinions on everything, which obviously is what I just said. I, I don't want to tolerate the assassination of people of color in this country anymore. It's not that I'm doing this now. I, I've felt this way the whole time, but this is kind of a breaking point and a tipping point for everybody in America right now. Black people are being killed. Innocent black people are being killed. And it's not that they are being killed. They have been being targeted unfairly, unjustly, and they're being murdered. And it's it's not okay. Um, there, there's a lot of things that you can read, watch, listen to learn about places you can donate to, but this is a NASCAR centric show and we're going to talk about it from a NASCAR angle. Bubba Wallace is obviously the only black driver in the cup series. There's a couple that have been working their way up through Arca, Xfinity trucks, local short track racing, what have you. But Bubba is the face of blacks in NASCAR. That's the fact of the matter. And he was the first driver to release a statement once these actions occurred. He was followed suit by Daniel Suarez, who is, of course, of Mexican descent. So those are two drivers, the two minority drivers that are in the sport. You can count Eric Almarola, his Cuban-American descent. But I was a little troubled. I shouldn't say a little. I was very troubled that this is going to become one of those things where everybody in the sport stayed silent besides the black person and the Mexican person. And I was very upset about that. But then Ty Dillon, who is white and he recognizes his white privilege. He put out a very eloquent statement on Instagram. You guys can go to his Instagram and read it. Um, they raced on Sunday, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And then after the race, Tyler Reddick released a statement. Ryan Blaney, who obviously we know is best friends with Bubba Wallace. And he's also boys of Dylan Smith, who is in the background of our interview with Chase Wilhelm. Um, they're homies. And Ryan Blaney released a statement. Dale Jr. responded to Reddick and basically supported him. Same thing with Blaney. And then the days that followed, Jimmy Johnson released a statement. Dale Jr. released a statement. And then Blackout Tuesday, a lot of drivers just tweeted out or put out on Instagram that black frame with Blackout Tuesday showing their support for the Black Lives Matter movement. And Bubba talked on Instagram Live with Ty Dillon for about a half an hour. I really, really highly encourage you guys to go watch that on Ty's Instagram page. It was great stuff. And Ty pretty much said what every other white privileged guy says, which is true, which is, look, I'm not black. 
I will never be black. I recognize my white privilege now more than ever. I'm listening, I am learning, and I am here to help, and I want to make a difference. Um, and Bubba shared some incredibly moving, passionate, and troubling stories about growing up racing and the racism that he experienced. He also was on the Dale Jr. download that I finished listening to about a half an hour before recording this, and he got emotional talking about watching the Ahmad Arbery video, and um, he told a story, I believe, in the early 2000s or mid-2000s when his family was at a basketball game, and his cousin just got shot and killed by, by a police officer. Innocent black man got shot and killed and happened to be his cousin, and that has happened countless times across this country in the past few years and it's got to stop I'm no longer going to tolerate it I'm no longer going to stay silent I actually I'm still staying at my girlfriend's parents place right now and I was trying to craft a statement or a tweet to put out before the race on Sunday because I I felt compelled to um, because I don't want to stay silent and I I guess kind of regrettably didn't really want to step on anybody's toes. And that, that wasn't necessarily because we know the NASCAR fan base is very conservative and what were they going to think? And I want to appeal to them. That wasn't really it. Um, because I'm vehemently against racism. I'm vehemently against the innocent killing of black people in this country and black lives do matter. Um, so what I crafted, I tried to craft it to the best of my ability. Cause I, I didn't feel like putting out a very long statement like Aaron Bearden did, which was so eloquently written. I didn't feel like that was my place because I I didn't think it was going to be worth it. Um, maybe that's a mistake on my part. I don't know. But there's just it, – it's very jarring, and this is the tipping point that was reached. I, I think – and again, I can't speak on it because I'm as privileged as white privilege can get. I'm an only child that's living in the Rockville slash Potomac, Maryland area to a family that loves me and I have never been targeted unfairly by law enforcement and I probably never will be because I'm white and I'm privileged and I understand that. But just listen to Bubba talk on the Dale Jr. Download on Instagram Live with Ty Dillon. And I've had a handful of conversations with my black friends. Actually, I'm going to say it. I've had conversations with some of my black friends because, again, me recognizing my white privilege, I'm not friends with a ton of black people. But... A couple people I am really close with. I've had a friend, Eric, from elementary school who I've been really close with throughout this entire time. And we don't talk every day. We talk on and off. We send each other memes, Instagram DMs, what have you. But I reached out to a couple of my black friends and basically said, listen, as, as cliche as it is, I've, I've been doing some self-introspection this week. I want you to know that I've been watching everything. I'm here for you. I'm with you. And I'm here to listen, and I, I just want you to know that and that I love you. And the the responses that I got from my friends were, were very nice, and they basically said, thank you for saying that. It means a lot, you know. Um, it, it's just, it's a very unfortunate situation that we're in, that it has to come to this. But in order to have change, this is what has to happen. I actually had an interaction with police yesterday. Um, I'm not going to get into it cause it's not really the, the time or place, but uh, long story short is I was riding my bike and I got a $90 ticket for going through a red light. It was so dumb anyways. Um, but I mean the, the interaction with them was fine. It was very cordial. There was no violence at all. There was, there was no profiling cause I recognize my white privilege. 
Um, and you know, I, I was thinking what would happen if I ran a red light on a bike and I pulled over, I got pulled over by a cop and what would happen if I was black? You know, like, like what, what would they say? What would they do? Would they have physically harmed me? Would I have been in fear for my life? And I was actually also thinking, you know, I, I like put my hands in my pockets to like get out my phone and I asked the officer, do you mind if I text my friend and tell her I'm going to be a little bit late? He said, yeah, no problem. Because, and I asked that because I, I've heard stories about black people, you know, reaching in their pockets for their phones or when they get pulled over, reaching into their glove compartment for their license and registration and the officers thinking that they're grabbing a weapon and they're going to be attacked and then they attack the victim. And I, I've actively thought about these things. I went on a bike ride with my girlfriend earlier this week and we were just kind of riding around this town in Millsboro, Delaware aimlessly. And we like went behind this library that was pretty much empty and desolate. And I literally thought to myself, wow, like we just rode behind that library with no care in the world. What if we, what, I, and I also thought about this. What if somebody driving on the road saw a black man or a black woman on a bike riding behind a library with no helmet on, what would they think? You know, that that's how society has kind of been trained, unfortunately, to think. And I've been thinking about that type of stuff a lot recently. I've had conversations. I've been listening. I've been watching. I've been reading. I, I'm planning on donating to certain causes. It's, it's a lot to take in, and I understand that you guys come here for NASCAR talk, and we're going to give that to you here shortly, but I felt that it was my duty as a person. <laughs> I, I can't stay silent anymore, and if you have been staying silent, I, frankly, I see where you're coming from, but you got to say something. You got to speak out. You got to do what you got to do, and what you got to do is read, educate yourself, listen, open your ears to black people, hear what they are saying, Okay. If you, if you don't want to donate, that's fine. But what I'm asking you guys to do is not stay silent. And another thing that's kind of troubled me, which is not surprising in the slightest, is some of the comments back to some of the drivers that were releasing their statements when they say Black Lives Matter or Blackout Tuesday. And, you know, I saw, I saw one guy's like, what about White Wednesday? You know, like, are you kidding? Blue Lives Matter. Yeah, they do. That's not what we're saying right now. All Lives Matter. Yeah, they do. That's not what we're saying right now. For all lives to matter, black lives have to matter. And right now, they don't. Like it or not, they don't. Again, this is not a political thing. I'm telling you, this is not. You have my word. This is a humanity issue, okay? Social injustice and racial inequality is not political. That's human. It's a human right that everybody should have, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Caucasian. I, I don't care. Nobody should be racially profiled. And there should not be social injustice in this country. And the fact that it's 2020 and we're still talking about this and there's, you know, references to the riots in the 60s and Martin Luther King and going back to slavery, it's it's very troublesome. And I just, I wish I could just snap my fingers and everything fix itself, but we obviously know that's not going to happen. Um, and there's things that I want to say about certain political aspects of things. But again, I'm, I'm going to keep those thoughts to myself. And if you, if you'd like to have a conversation with me more so about this issue going on in our country or whatever, please hit, hit my line. You guys know where to find me. Odds are, if you listen to this podcast, there's not a lot of people listening, but like, 
you guys know how to reach me, okay? It's just text me, call me, we'll, we'll talk. Because I've found myself having these uncomfortable conversations recently with some of my best friends, and I've never talked about it, this stuff with them. But if there's a time to do it, now is the time. Um, I just want to close by saying the peaceful protests are great. Donating to organizations are great. Understanding your white privilege like I have more so this week than any other week is great. Putting yourself in other people's shoes is great. Helping out in any way that you can is great. The only way that we will be able to have some reform in this country and change the issues that we are experiencing is if we realize that black lives matter. Again, this is not political. This is about humanity. Think about that. Dwell on that, please, and do not stay silent. All right, that was very heavy. I understand that. I did not plan on going that long, but I, I got on a roll, and I just kind of rolled with it. So what do you say? Let's pick it back up where we left off. Let's get peppy. Let's get loud. Let's have fun. Let's talk about racing. What do you say? Supermarket Heroes 500 at Bristol Motor Speedway. This was a new number one in the was it a good race poll for Mr. Jeff Gluck. That's how good of a race this was. That's pretty much all you have to say about this race. 500 laps of pure stock car racing. Matt Weaver tweeted it after the race. Today was stock car racing. And I remember, I think it was Brian France, maybe quintessential NASCAR. Like Sunday at Bristol, that was quintessential NASCAR. I freaking loved every second of it. Brad Kozlowski's on the pole. He had 17 cautions throughout the day, lots of restarts, lots of jumbling for a position. The PJ1 that was applied on the bottom of the racetrack, did you guys see that? Made it feel like old Bristol again for a little bit. It was it was great. So let's fast forward big time. 11 laps to go. Denny Hamlin's in the lead, working through lap traffic. He gets a little bent out of shape. Joey Logano capitalizes on that, passes him. Chase Elliott sees what's going on. He tries to pounce on Joey's pounce on Denny, and then he pounces a little too hard and gets Joey scraping the wall a little bit, and then Denny spins out with BJ McLeod, bringing out a caution. Whew. Okay. Got all that? So we restart with like five, six laps to go. Then Chase clears for the lead. Joey's coming back, works on him for about two, two and a half laps, passes him clean, and he said that on the radio. I passed that MF for clean. Then Chase just sends it on into turn one or turn three, whatever it was. And he basically runs Joey up against the fence. They both hit the wall and finish in the 20s after battling for a win. And as the seas part, Moses, a.k.a. Brad Keselowski, says, thank you very much. And he goes on through and comes to victory lane. Somehow, again, he wins when he... Probably did not have the best car, but look, he put himself in position to capitalize if things were to occur, and they did. So it's his second win of the season, second in a row, uh, actually not second in a row, but second weekend in a row, third career at Bristol. Brad, please, I know you're very talkative and you're wearing a mask, but walk us through your eventful afternoon. That was something. Yeah, just a wild, wild day. Um, one of those days that, uh, you know, you look at and you think of, as going back and, and being a part of Bristol lore for a long time to come. And I'm glad we were able to win it. Uh, but geez, so much beating and banging. Oh my goodness. We've all been cooped up in our houses too long and came to Bristol and took out some aggression, I guess. I, I don't know, but, uh, early on in the race, everybody was hitting each other and it carried in all the way to the end. And, uh, 
you know, some people ran me over. I probably ran some people over and everybody's mad at everybody going into Atlanta next week, but uh, just a, a really eventful day for us. We started up front on the pole, led a bunch of laps, lost the lead. And, and uh, then we made some adjustments to the car and got really good uh, in the second stage, got the lead and lost the lead on pit road. And I just could not hit the restarts uh, after that. And I kept falling back all the way to I think eighth or ninth or something like that and um, just started to get really frustrated started to lose the handle on the car the track kept changing and uh, then I was pushing really hard and got a pit road penalty it was just wow I am just digging a hole and with about 40 some to go I think we were running 14th or 15th uh, 48 49 to go I, I don't know somebody's probably got a stat on that and we came in we put left side tires on came off of pit road uh, in a spot to compete. And uh, I think we came off pit road maybe 12th and just kept cycling forward. They'd drop the green, we'd go five laps, they'd wreck. They'd drop the green and go five laps, they'd wreck. Until next thing I knew, I was restarting fourth. Like, wow, this is perfect. And uh, cleared uh, for third uh, on the, the restart there, the last restart. And I watched Joey and uh, Chase going at it. And next thing I knew, they, they were wrecking. And uh, here we found ourselves in Victor Lane. Just really crazy how it all came together. But uh, I'll tell you, I'm super proud to, to be here and, and to get a second win in the season. Um, you know, that's, for me, my fifth year with multiple wins in a row, which is really good and really happy and proud of that. Um, you know, and, and trying to put ourselves in a position to, to make a real run in a championship um, Hopefully we can do just that. And I, I feel like we're coming together as a team. You know, this is a new team this year. Same number, same car and all that, but new team. And they're really starting to gel. So I'm very happy for them. I kind of like that everybody's mad at everybody. It makes for some entertainment, right? I mean, I think a couple other drivers said so on their post-race Zooms in the past couple of weeks. I really enjoy that. And there's been a lot of miscues happening from drivers. Brad Kozlowski is going to tell you why that's not a bad thing. Well, mistakes make for great racing. That's why, you know, when you watch rookies run some of these tracks, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, I think you look at the lower tier series, they're some of the most fun races to watch because the drivers make a lot of mistakes and that creates a lot of action. I think sometimes you get to the cup level and, you know, whether it's the setup or the driver's experience, you don't see a lot of mistakes. And people missing that the cars are easy to drive or it's really the opposite. It's just pros. You know, these guys are really good. Um, for whatever reason, whether it's just not having a chance to really work on the cars or practice or uh, the drivers not getting those experiences, we're seeing more mistakes with these, with this format, these, uh, this style of racing, the no practice type stuff. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that makes for better racing uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I hope we, we keep it up. And, and I said earlier this week that I felt like NASCAR had struck gold with these formats. And, and I stand by that. These are, Great formats, and we're seeing some of the best racing we've ever seen in NASCAR uh, accordingly. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in victory lane. I, I think a lot of people would say this was a tremendous race, and I hope they enjoyed it. Crew chief Jeremy Bullens, he's kind of lucked into a couple wins here. But the thing is about him, and I kind of was like giving him some crap in my head. The thing is, you have to set up the car to be quick, of course, and you have to be able to set that car up to be quick enough to be at the right place at the right time. That's what he's done, and his driver is top-notch, and he's done that the past few weeks. 
it's nice to have a break after all of these midweek races, turning the cars around at the shop very, very quickly, though. And Jeremy Bones is going to talk about that right here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of nice to have a break uh, not have a midweek race this week. So, uh, But you look ahead to next week, we got you know Atlanta uh, and Martinsville in the middle of the week, So, uh, and then Homestead. So there's still a lot going on, a lot of work being done, and you know we're uh, in pretty good shape on our Atlanta car, so I'm hoping we can get to work on the Martinsville car and have it uh, ready early next week. Uh, we should get a good jump on it this week as well. So, um, you know, as far as the rest of the schedule goes, I mean, everybody's working really hard on that. There's been a lot of work between NASCAR and the teams and the local governments everywhere. So, uh, you know, I expect all that to get cleared up pretty soon and, and we'll have a better idea of what we got going on. But, uh, you know, I think the, the midweek stuff's been great. I think the, the format of what we've been doing on Sundays has been great too. So um, obviously we've liked two out of the last three. So, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun few weeks. So Zoom calls are funny and awkward to begin with, right? If you add Clint Boyer to a Zoom call after he's happy because he finished second, yeah, just imagine what that's going to be like. <laughs> Why am I the only one in this meeting with a mask on? <laughs> that's a good question. Gluck, where the hell have you been? You're sunburnt. My God. What'd you say? Yeah, walk us through that wild finish there, Clint. Yeah, I needed those guys to, uh, when they decided to wreck each other, I needed them to do that just a little, hold the two up just a little bit more. The two got into the six, got into me and tore my car all up. Um, I really needed them to uh, to do that uh, just a little bit later. I wasn't going to have any trouble apologizing to Brad for dumping him at the end, but um, I couldn't catch him. Actually, Brad video bombed him earlier on when, when the – the NASCAR media people were not recording. And he said, quote, it's amazing what you can do with your eyes closed. <laughs> so that tells you basically all you need to know about this race and Brad, I guess. But uh, I found that pretty funny. Jimmy Johnson wound up coming home in third place and did not get disqualified this time. Woohoo! Yay for Jimmy. No DQ and a solid run again. I'm telling you, he's going to get a win here soon. And maybe as soon as this week in Atlanta, who knows? But here was podium finisher, Jimmy Johnson from Bristol. Yeah, wild and crazy night for sure. Um, you know, very strong performance for us. Uh, really proud of the guys and keeping our chins up through the last four weeks. You know, we've had fast cars and really haven't had the results to show for it. So to put together a solid race start to finish, great pit stops, fast car, um, be a threat. We, we need more long runs, and there's only one long run in the whole race. And uh, we were up there battling for the lead with Kyle. Uh, so I wish there were more long runs because our car just didn't have that short run speed in it. But I was still salvaged a, a great day out of it with the Ally Chevy. He was a short run car, as he said. They needed a long run to kind of happen there at the end as he was battling with Kyle Busch earlier on in the race. But um, they had a really solid day, no doubt about that. And I've been scanning their radios more and more. And I'm really impressed with Cliff Daniels, the poise that he has, the maturity that he kind of exudes over the radio. I think it's uh, they're, they're threesome on the radio of Jimmy. Earl Barbin, the spotter, and Cliff Daniels, that is a that is a very fearsome threesome. Um, Kyle Busch and Eric Jones rounded out the top five, so Joe Gibbs Racing, they ran well. They just did not run well enough to capture the victory. Denny Hamlin had a funny tweet after, too. Um, it was just all emojis. I think it was the eye emoji, the checkered flag emoji, uh, the running emoji, the eggplant emoji, and the shrug emoji. Basically saying he had, he was, he had his eyes on the checkered flag, then he tripped over his you-know-what, and, uh, oh, well, what are you going to do? On to Atlanta. <laughs> Denny's social media game is so, so, 
so great. I'm, I'm telling you, if you don't follow him on any social medias, um, or if you don't follow him on one of them, I should say, you, you got to do it because it's it's top-notch stuff. I want to go back to what Brad said real quick, though. Uh, and Chase Elliott also talks about it on the Dale Jr. Download about the condensed weekends and the one-day shows and the lack of practice. So these are the best drivers in the world, right? Why do they need more practice than anybody? You go to local short tracks, they practice for 45 minutes, and they race. NASCAR, you you come to the racetrack two, three days early, you practice for two or so days, and then you race. You know, we've seen that no practice has made for unbelievable racing because you have comers and goers. You have people that you wouldn't ordinarily expect to see at the front. You have shorter races that increases aggression. With increased aggression comes more, I guess you can say, hostile moves and middle fingers and beating and banging and social distancing arguments. I love every single second of that stuff. So how about, here's an idea. Maybe not no qualifying and no practice. Bubba Wallace had the same idea on the DJD. He was like, 10 minutes of hot laps. I, try stuff, you know? I'm down with it. Um, how about just like 30 minutes of an open practice at, you know, noon? And then you qualify at 3 and you race at 7. Why not? That like That's fun. That's a one-day show. Um, and you can do that on Saturday for Xfinity. And you can do that on Friday for Trucks. And you can still have the fans get their money's worth on the weekend. I mean, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but I think it's I think it's a really, really good idea that that can be implemented pretty easily. This is a great damn race, and it, and it was a pretty good length too. Even with all of the caution flags, 17 of them, I think laps wise, it was a little over 100 laps of caution. So that's 20% of the race was run under yellow. But even with that, the race was top notch. It was it was great. So kudos to Bristol. Kudos to NASCAR. Everybody involved with the PJ1 and how that worked really effectively. The drivers for, for putting on a hell of a show. I just wish that there were fans in the stands to enjoy that because, man, that would have been fun. And we also have to chat about the Xfinity event real quick. No Gregson winds up winning it after he gets his junior motorsports teammate, Justin Allgaier, bent out of shape and out of the way. Um, he winds up holding on for the win. And look, you never want to win races that way. But Bristol is Bristol. He did what he had to do. Justin left the lane open. Noah filled the gap. And he didn't mean to wreck him. He didn't even mean to rub him. But these things happen. You move on. You take the victory. And you learn from it. Well, we uh, we had a really strong run all night in the, the top five. We, we started ninth and got up really quick. So I'm um, just super proud of, of the number nine team. Uh, man, the, their efforts. This was one of my worst tracks leading into, into this weekend. And um, put a lot of effort in with Josh Wise, Brandon McReynolds, Dave Ellens, and this nine team. They really prepared a great race car. The Plan B sales Chevrolet was was really good. So um, at the end, it was getting really dicey. The track was really really slick. I started running the top, and uh, there's nothing there. We got that caution with about ten to go, and um, Justin he slipped up and wanted two while I was running him down, and. That allowed me to get inside of him. I, I wouldn't have gotten to him if he, he didn't slip up. But uh, got into him the next corner, uh, down in one and two, and um, just just got loose underneath him. Um, we saw it yesterday, and I don't make excuses. I, I take responsibility. So um, I apologize for, for uh, the seven car, but I'm here to win races, and I'm here for the number nine team. And they put in way too much effort for me to uh, to ride around and finish second. So I've always been a really aggressive driver, and um, I'm really thankful and fortunate to uh, to be able to race in the Xfinity Series. And uh, how about that? We had uh, 
we had a veteran on the car today, Chris Noden, and uh, that was uh, that's really special to be able to honor him around the racetrack, and uh, hopefully we can get a, a Lionel diecast now um, with his name on it. That'd be pretty damn cool. Race preview time from Atlanta Motor Speedway. All three national series will be in action. Of course, the Cup Series is on Sunday. The Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. Truck Series and Xfinity Series, both races taking place this upcoming Saturday on Fox Sports 1. I'm going to sneeze. Hold on. I'm not going to edit this out. Uh, maybe it's gone. No, it's just a yawn. Oh. Okay, I probably will have a sneeze in like two minutes. That's the podcasting that you get with me, boys and girls. Um, I went on the final lap weekly this week, um, and I was actually the first interview with Carrie and Toby at the same time, so that was very fun. And I'm going to tell you who I picked here on that show. I picked Jimmy Johnson to win this race this Sunday. Why? I don't know. I'm just I'm just feeling a Jimmy bend, you know? Like, why, like why not? He's been quick. That's not debatable. He's had success at Atlanta. He's way overdue. I think the winless streak stops at 103 or 104, whatever it is right now, races. And you're going to see the 48 Ally Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports and Jimmy Johnson in Victory Lane at Atlanta this weekend. Mark it down. Say I told you so. Do whatever you want to do. Jimmy's my pick. Um, And we also talked about him losing to Carl Edwards in a photo finish in like the early to mid-2000s at Atlanta. That's kind of what I remember about Jimmy Johnson with Atlanta, but I do know that he's won there a handful of times. So, I mean, pretty much everywhere on the schedule, he's won a handful of times except for a couple of places. So, Jimmy, don't let me down. Get to victory lane, would you? And as a journalist, you're not supposed to root for people. You're supposed to root for stories. I am rooting the hell out of the Jimmy Johnson storyline because I would love to see him get into victory lane, be competitive, Maybe make a playoff push or a championship push in his final full-time season. That would be so, so fun. Hendrick is obviously going to be the best organization there when everybody unloads on Sunday because they have been and they will be. I don't see any reason why that'll change. Chase Elliott, obviously being from Dawsonville, Georgia, he wants a win real badly at his home track. Alex Bowman and William Byron are going to be no slouches either. What about Kyle Busch? Can he kind of get off the schneid, so to speak, and Get a Cup Series victory in 2020. I mean, you're what, 9, 10 races in, and Kyle Busch hasn't won a race. It feels so strange like that, but Hendrick has been dominant. Penske has been dominant. How about Ryan Blaney? We didn't really talk about him when we were recapping Bristol, but he was riding second, had one of the quickest cars all day. He just got loose and saved it, but then Ty Dillon kind of smashed his nose and his radiator in. Ryan Blaney, I think he is going to be one to watch at Atlanta as well because You got to feel for that, dude. I mean, those Monday morning meetings at Penske, Logano has two wins. Penske has two, or Keselowski has two wins. Blaney's just chilling there, who's arguably had the most speed out of those three all year long, and he's got nothing to show for, and I know he's chomping at the bit. So keep an eye on that number 12 car. What about Kevin Harvick? Can he break through again at Atlanta? We obviously remember him in 2001 with him winning the first race over Jeff Gordon. But he did win, uh, I believe, a couple years back, if it wasn't last year, and did the three salute for Dale Earnhardt at Atlanta. That was really cool of him to do. But what I remember from Kevin Harvick at Atlanta, besides 01, was I think it was 2016, maybe 2017, something around there. I'll have to look it up. He was killing him, dominating him at Atlanta like he usually does, hugging that white white line on the bottom. 
And he had a pit road speeding penalty, I believe, his own doing. Not the pit crew that messed it up for him that time. And he just threw that race away. That That's what I remember with Kevin Harvick at Atlanta. Also, the Xfinity Series are in action, of course. Are we going to see some all guyer revenge on Noah Gregson? I doubt it because they're teammates, but you never know. Xfinity puts on the best racing in NASCAR right now. I still will stand by my statement that I love the trucks, and they put on the best racing in all of NASCAR because of the the makeup of the series. But cars-wise, package-wise, Xfinity is not even close to being rivaled. The, the Cup short track package rivals Xfinity, but... With the intermediate uh, package that the Cup Series has, Xfinity is way, way above them. And Kyle Busch and, and a couple other drivers have said so that Xfinity cars are the most fun and the hardest to drive right now in all of NASCAR. And I believe with the truck race, Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott are both in it. David Reagan was actually supposed to be in it for DGR Crosley, but due to the 40 uh, truck limit and owner points, he obviously was not going to be able to compete. So that's unfortunate for him and a couple other guys. I believe Bryant Barnhill was going to compete. Um, there was another another couple drivers that were on the tip of my tongue, but I forgot. Anyways, check out all the action. Fox Sports 1, Performance Racing Network, and Motor Racing Network for the Truck Series action. I will probably not be able to watch Truck and Xfinity on Saturday because we're probably going to be out and about enjoying the beach over here, socially distanced, of course. Um, making sure everybody has adequate spacing. Don't worry about us on that. We're smart people. But Sunday, I will be watching the cup race. So hope you guys all tune in with me. Look notes of the week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Nashville Super Speedway has been dormant for years, since 2011, I believe. But it will return in 2021. No, we're not talking about the Nashville Fairgrounds short track that everybody wants to be resurrected we're talking about the 1.33 mile concrete d-shaped oval in lebanon tennessee it's going to be the first cup series date there ever and that track is actually owned by dover motorsports so one date is going to be happening at dover international speedway next year instead of two and their second date will be relocated to nashville and if you guys aren't really familiar there's Speedway Motorsports Incorporated, which owns Bristol, Vegas, Atlanta, Sonoma, etc., Charlotte. There's ISC, which is now NASCAR, which owns Daytona, Homestead, Fontana, tracks like that. And then there's a couple independent entities. I believe Dover Motorsports is one. Pocono owns their own track, and Indianapolis owns their own track. Obviously, Roger Penske um, owns that track now. So there, there's some nuances with that, but if you're an avid NASCAR fan, you already knew that. It's going to be a four-year agreement with the racetrack, and the purse is going to be in the neighborhood of about $9 million for those years with the TV money about double that uh, through 2024. So a lot of people on Twitter were basically like, excuse my language, but they were basically like shitting on the track, basically saying it's a terrible track, um, why can't they go to the fairgrounds, it's terrible racing, blah, blah, blah. I don't really remember like anything about it, but my whole thing is, look, NASCAR is trying some different stuff, and I commend them for that. And this is kind of a path for the fairgrounds to eventually come back, but not in 2021. It's just not going to happen. SMI has been working on a plan to possibly revamp it, but it's going to take anywhere from 20 to $60 million to do so, and that's not going to happen overnight. More of the schedule for 2020 uh, throughout the summer is expected to be released this week. The Athletic and Jordan Bianchi had that first. And, of course, I'd luck, as luck would have it, I bet you as soon as I publish this podcast, the uh, schedule is going to be released. So, whoops, check it out on Twitter. 
Um, Chris Gale, who's the crew chief for Eric Jones in the 20, he was the only uh, crew chief listed on the penalty report having one loose lug nut this week. Along with Noah Gregson for winning, Brandon Jones, Chase Briscoe, and Harrison Burton will be dash for cash eligible this weekend at Atlanta, the first of four races for that $100,000 bonus thanks to Xfinity and Comcast. And that's all we have. I just My last bullet of lug nuts of the week is please read, listen, and do as much as you can. These are really important times right now. I appreciate you guys that listen to my kind of opening monologue, so to speak, but it's just something really important that we need to address head on right now, and we can't be silent about it anymore. we got to take some action. So that will wrap things up for episode 60, big one, of Victory Lane 2.0. If you like what you heard here today, please do me a favor, rate and review this podcast. You're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are most likely there. Um, so please do that. Please take some action. Do not stay silent. I hope that next week we can have more of a lighter episode. But if we got to get serious, we'll get serious because I'm not going to stay silent anymore. And I hope you won't either. Thank you as always, everybody. I, I usually say peace and love at the end of my episodes. And I really mean it this time. Peace and love, my dude and dudettes. Love one another. Black Lives Matter. And I'll talk to you guys next week.